welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. I am so excited about this episode uh, because we are going to talk about the afterlife and we're going to talk about near-death experiences. My guest is Father Nathan Castle. He's a Catholic priest and an author. He's written two books on this subject and his latest book, it's called Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Cross Over. It's a fascinating book about, about his experiences over the past 20 years. Welcome, Father Nathan. It's great to be with you. <laughs> I am so excited, uh, like I said, about this topic because I think it's just absolutely fascinating. And uh, I talk to so many people all the time that um, they're also fascinated by it. So um, let me just let me just ask you, uh, you know, what is, in a nutshell, what do people ask you when they first see that you've written a book about this? Like, what do they say? What What is this about? Is that what they ask you in general? That's, that's part of it. Um, I, I have to explain to them that the little population that I deal with is people that didn't just have a near-death experience. They had a death experience. My people really did die. Um, but if you're familiar with the NDE, the near-death experience, uh, they, they, they're not all the same, but there are similarities. You know, you hear about a pathway or a tunnel or an attractive light, maybe um, relatives that come for you, grandma or religious figures. Mine... Uh, but all that presumes that people were willing to go down that path or toward that light or through that tunnel. Nobody, nobody comes, says they were dragged or forced. So there's volition, there's will, willingness. Uh, and my people all died very violent, sudden deaths. You know, you and I are uh, alert and conscious and healthy right now. But what if we weren't <laughs> in an instant? That happens to people, uh, car crashes and shootings and so on. And sometimes they are just so shocked, angry, confused, whatever, that they just shut down. I make the uh, analogy of the way our houses are designed to shut down in an electrical storm. You know, mm-hmm. rather than fry all the appliances, the house just knows how to shut down. And my people sometimes just shut down uh, because it's overwhelming. So uh, what, what, how did this all start when you say your people? So that, that's, you're, you're talking about the, a number, obviously, in the past 20 years of people that you, I think I read 250 or, or more, um, souls that you helped cross over. How did, how did that, what, what happened in the very beginning? Tell me about the very beginning. How did this all start? What was the first experience? Well, in the book, at the beginning, I, I described my upbringing as a little Catholic kid who was taught to pray for the souls in purgatory. So I was doing that when I was learning my ABCs. So there's there's that aspect to it. I was always interested in helping people move from here to heaven. Uh, but then about 20 years ago, I'm 62 now, so in my early 40s, uh, I was having, I, I was asleep, middle of the night. I was on a retreat with a bunch of people in the mountains of northern Arizona, and I was dreaming and I was dreaming my own stuff. I had finished a round of golf. I was in a bar uh, at a silent auction. And so this is just my material. And then there was this horrible piece of framed art on the wall. 
And I said to my companion, ooh, look at that. Who in the world would give that to a charity? They should be ashamed. And I walked toward it. (laughs) Well, you know how we, the looky-loo factor when there's a a wreck on the interstate, and we all want to slow down to look at it. Uh So it was kind of like that. I I walked toward this thing. Whoops, there goes my phone. (laughs) I'm glad it's on your end, Patty. I'm the interviewee. This is the interviewer. Oh, I know. Shameful. Listen, I, I'm a pastor, and you, you know, at the beginning of a church service, there's always an announcement to t- mute your cell phone, and then you've got one in your pocket that goes off while you're preaching. Anyways, um, anyhow, I, I I moved toward this framed art on the wall, and I got in front of it, and it moved toward me, and then inside of it, a little video started to play, and it was a man on fire on the um, sitting on the radiator like the engine of a car. He wasn't in a car crash. He was, I don't know why anybody would be sitting on the radiator facing away from the car, but he burst into flames and was screaming. And before I even woke up, I realized this is not my material. This is somebody reaching out to me. I just knew it. And, but you uh, knew that from, I mean, so from the framed art, you, you, there was a connection well, with I, that? Just the whole, uh, the whole uh, feeling of it was, oh my God, this isn't just, this is not my dream material. It's my dreamscape, but it's not my material. Someone's trying to reach me, and they're they're in pain and screaming and crying out for help. So I, I wrote it down uh, and and then uh, prayed for the guy. And then a few hours later in the morning, I was on retreat, and one of my friends was on this retreat, and I knew she was a gifted and prayerful person. So I got with her and said, would you pray with me? I think something happened in the night, and there might be somebody that needs help. And so we did pray about it. My friend had the, the ability, well, she said, uh, whoever this is, he really wants to talk to you. Would that be okay? Wow. So she had the facility to, uh, to permit that. I'm a Catholic priest, and in the Catholic Church, the words mediumship or channeling are like really toxic, radioactive words. And mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't use them. Uh, I think that in the church lingo, it's, uh, it belongs to the spiritual gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I know I know how to protect myself in prayer. Uh, I call on Michael the Archangel and Mary and a whole bunch of the holy ones. So I just don't throw myself out there into the ether and let any spiritual thing, you know, be around me. But mm-hmm. when anyway, we had done that already. We prayed. We were protected. And a, a female voice said, be careful. This one has not yet chosen the kingdom. Wow. That's the voice a, did not. You uh, heard yeah, that? The voice, I did. And... Um, the voice didn't say, run like the wind, you know, <laughs> quick, get out of here. I tail it. <laughs> yeah, it just said, be careful. Well, I know how to be careful, but, you know, okay, I'll be careful. Um, but I'm not going to be fearful. Fear is, doesn't help anybody anytime, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Wariness is one thing, but, but fear is a different thing altogether. Anyway, so I said, sure, go ahead. So she allowed the man to speak through to me. Uh, and the first thing out of his mouth from her lips was, was who the hell does he think he is taking me just when my life's getting good? Wow. Talking about why did God take him? Yeah. I I said, well, hello, my name is Nathan. Who the hell does he think? I said, okay, are you talking about God? He said, yeah, who the hell does he want? Okay. Okay. Well, at least you know, there is a God and, and you know that you're alive, right? Well, yeah. So we, as we got into it, we learned that his name is Ray he died in 1960 when I was four years old in wow. Georgia, um, and he was 
Uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. He had he was 20 years old. He got his girlfriend pregnant their senior year of high school. The, the baby was a year old, uh, and it was a Sunday afternoon. He and his buddy had gone in on a car repair business. So they're really young guys fixing cars. And uh, this this particular day, they'd had a little too much to drink. They got in some sort of a rumble, took it outside, and somehow, he doesn't even know how, and I never did learn how, he caught fire. He was in greasy clothes, and he was sitting on the radiator of this car, and somehow he caught fire. Like maybe smoking a cigarette or Could have been. I don't like know. However, whatever it was, he caught fire, and he died because of burning. And he had been taught that the reason that people die at all is because God takes them. You ever heard that, Patty? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Well, he had heard that. I said, where did you get that notion? And and he said, well, uh, what was it? My, uh, my pastor. And I said, well, okay, but that how, who, how did you know that there was a God at all? And he said, well, my mom taught me. And I said, well, tell me a little about that. And she said, well, she made me kneel next to my bed and she would beat me while I said my prayers. I said, oh, my God, why would you do that? And she said, I don't know. That's what what she did. So I said, well, if you had gotten to raise your son, would you have done that? Well, of course not. I said, well, come on then, Ray. You might have learned a thing or two about God that was just incorrect. Um, Maybe I can help you. But what's this all about anyway? Why did you come into my dream? And he said, "Um, uh, my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that? (laughs) My wife. (laughs) I'm I'm from southeast Texas. I can put the accent on it. Yeah. Uh, my wife, she's dying. She's in South Carolina. She married up. She married a lawyer and she moved to South Carolina. I got nothing against that man. Uh, he did a fine job raising my son, but why, my wife's dying of cancer and I want to greet her when she passes, but I can't the way I am now. Wow. How fascinating. So <laughs> what did you say? I said, well, then we got to figure out what that means. What is it about you that prevents that? And I, and I said, whatever it is, Ray, you've just told me that it's been about 40 years and you don't have very much to show for it. And now you're asking me to fast forward you and get you get you ready in a hurry. I'll, I'll help, uh, but, but I'm going to have to push you and you might not like it, but, uh, but I'll, I'll be there for you. And so that's what we agreed to do. We, we agreed to figure out what was the matter with them. And it did most of the this was my very first time doing this. And it took us about three sessions, uh, but we made our way through it. Now, with, when I, and now I deal with people, it's half an hour. But in this case, it just took us a little while. And the long and the short of it is, he was just kind of arrogant and, and angry. We needed him to calm down and to remember that he's not the only person that loves this woman, uh, but he was acting like he was. He said, just calm down and realize that you're really important. She only was married twice, and you're the only husband that died. Um, but she's going to have siblings and parents and friends and people that she met after you had died. Just get ready to be in a group, and don't act like a caveman. You sound like you'd like to grab her by her hair and drag her into your cave. So just chill. Just calm down. Well, he grumbled and stuff, but eventually he did go with that program. And, and one day when we got back with him, when just said, hey, what's up, Ray? Uh, he said, big news, my wife passed, and I got to be with her. And I said, mm. so I said, well, terrific, I knew you could do it. And he said, uh, you'd have been proud of me, sir. I was the perfect gentleman. Oh, Isn't that sweet? So in yeah. the book, I call him Ray the perfect gentleman. 
Uh, and that when we signed off, it was, you know, I said, well, it sounds like our work here is done and you've got places to go, people to see something, you know, our work is finished. And, and he said, yes, sir, I think so. And I said, well, tell you what, Ray, um, uh, I wonder now that you are an afterlife greeter and you know how to help people cross over, I wonder if you'd keep an eye on me so that when it's my turn to pass, uh, you would be there to greet me. And he said, I'd be most honored, sir. Just look for the perfect gentleman. Oh, what a great story. Isn't it? He's a sweetheart. And so now he's part of my posse. Well, it's, you know, the whole thing is 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 so interesting. I mean, um, I feel like like my I'm Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic, so I totally understand what what you're saying about the definitely mediums and mediumship is definitely a a, a bad word. I would say um, in the Catholic uh, Church certainly frowns upon that, and I can understand why in a lot of ways because I do think there probably are a lot of charlatans out there. They're probably uh, you know evil spirits and so forth. In fact, at at my parish, uh, we say the prayer of Saint Michael. Uh, yes. After every mass, so um, you know if you, if you, I know you're familiar. So that's to you know, I think that you do need to protect yourself. Um, any anyone needs to protect themselves and make sure that they're uh, around good uh, spirits and not attracting and not becoming a portal, uh, so to speak, for any um, negative energy, negative spirits that may be out there. I don't know. I don't focus on 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 that. I know myself. I my dad passed uh, 2011. So it's been eight years ago, uh, well, seven years ago now, this year. And right after he passed, I had a lot of experiences where electronic experiences where the, my goodness, my smoke detectors went off like crazy. And it was always in the middle of the freaking night. It was like, you know, it was yeah, three yeah, o'clock yeah. in the morning. It was, you know, one o'clock in the morning. It was always my husband and I would be with the broom sitting there trying to stick it up into the ceiling, trying to turn that thing off. We had the batteries taken out. It was, I mean, it was ridiculous. And, and in fact, I remember shortly after my dad died, within a few days, I had this, um, it was like one of those, like an old alarm clock kind of thing. And it didn't have a plug-in. It had a battery inside of it. And it uh-huh. was sitting in a box in, in my room for whatever reason. It was a bunch of old stuff I was getting rid of. And in the middle of the night, I was I, I awoke to the sound of this like reverberation sound, this vibrating sound. And it was this little old alarm clock that out of the blue was like going off. So I had a lot of weird experiences with that. And, and I'm not saying that's, and I'm no medium. I don't pretend to be, but I think the, my, my um, thought on this subject is that the average person, you or I or anybody, just like you were saying, you were in your forties by the time you became obviously a, a portal uh, and a helper and healer uh, for, for a lot of souls. I think that, do you think, let me just ask you, not lead the question, but do you feel that the average person probably could be receptive to souls and spirits uh, around them if they, you know, allowed themselves to be? I do, Patty. You know how when we talk about uh, being gifted about anything, I wish I was more athletic. (laughs) (laughs) I was I I was never a great athlete, but it's not like I can't swing a bat or throw the ball or whatever. I've got a little bit of athletic talent. I I play golf. I don't play it very well. But I but I think the, the, the spiritual gifts are sort of like that. There's more of a spectrum. It's not so much a yes or no on or off. Uh, I think there's a spectrum, and and some of us just might be further one way or the other on it. 
Don't that you think? Ma- yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, that that probably the average person could have some, uh, um, you know, some experiences, whereas uh, other people, just for whatever reason, like you're saying, that that have kind of this natural gift of of being uh, receptive to the spirit world. Yeah, and I, I in the in near the end of the book, I was just reading it last night. It's only existed for about three weeks, and so I'm uh, I, I love the people in the book. There's 13 stories of, of, that I chose of individual people crossing over, and uh, I, I, anyway, at the end, I try to tell people if you're really interested in helping people cross over, you don't so much need to reach out for the glitzy uh, spirit gifts. Uh, you can simply pray in whatever way that means something to you. And you can will happiness and goodness for the people that you know that have died. Uh, I do it as a Catholic, make the sign of the cross and say my prayers and do that within prayer. But God hears everybody's intention, however they do that. And any, anyone at all in your audience can, can uh, will the good of people that have crossed over and helped them along. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a fascinating uh, topic. I have so many questions for you. Um, Ask me another one. What What about um, you know? Do you Do you find uh, the humor in death? I, I know that's a weird question, probably, but do you find humor sometimes in some of the people that are uh, some of the souls that that you connect with? Um, is there ever any humor? Oh, a lot of time there is. Um, there's There's this one story in the book, uh, uh, Cheryl Lynn. That's that's a first and middle name. That's not her last name, Cheryl. And she uh, she is was funny, but mad at the world when we first met her. She was 24 years old and she was a water aerobics instructor and a college student. And she showed me a car crash where I was the passenger. She made me be inside of her. So I was looking out at her from her eyes as this car went off the road. And I thought she was showing me her death. It turned out it wasn't. The driver died, but she was paralyzed. But at 24, she said part of her died. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, she just had a kind of a kind of a, I don't know, a, a slightly vulgar and, and, uh, and <laughs> salty, just a little salty. <laughs> That's a good way to, to put it. You might think that when you move into this realm, that it's sort of all spiritual and religious, and everybody be on their best manners and everything like that. It's just not that way. No. And she she had reason to be angry. She. She went through, she said her boyfriend left her. He didn't want to have a paralyzed girlfriend. She had 10 years of physical therapy, never did get out of the wheelchair. She Things did get better, but not enough that she could walk. She relied on other people to get her where she needed to be. She had to do dial a ride all the time. And she said, it's just such, such a pain in the ass. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, you, know you call them and they're late. And, you, and you know, you, 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 there's a lot of waiting when you're, when you're paralyzed. And you, you just have to wait till other people are ready. Well, then that particular day, the day that she died, they were lifting her up into the back of a van. And the lift malfunctioned. She flipped over backwards and was dropped onto her head and died in the street. Oh, my God. There's nothing funny about that, is there? No. Except when she talked about it. It was like they humpty dumped me right into the street, and this time there was no putting me back together again. Oh. Um, um, well, so how anyway, tragic. People don't lose their sense of humor. Or their, maybe that one is more irony than it is comedy, uh, but it, you know, it's still funny when I read it. Well, maybe um, it's that people... Um, it's not that they lose their sense of humor or gain a sense of humor. Maybe they just are the way they were in 
in this life. Precisely. They have to, they, the, the thing is, they had to move through the terror of the way they died because they died suddenly, abruptly, violently. Uh, sometimes they get caught in a loop the way that PTSD sufferers do, where there's something unpleasant, especially in the night, you know, when you can control your thoughts to a certain extent during the day, but you're kind of at the mercy of them when you go unconscious. So some people get in a loop. Uh, some of your, your listeners might be familiar with kind of a trauma loop. And sometimes these people get in a trauma loop and stay in it for a while mm-hmm. and then have to move through that. And man, it's painful and, and difficult. But when they get out the other end of it, they still they have a sense of, you know, wasn't that ridiculous and I don't need to do that anymore. And, I, you know, I'm not going to not going to fall for that again. I'm not going to go back into that loop. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then sometimes they're greeted. You know, they 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 need somebody to help them cross over. And that's my main work is to help them identify who they would like to have come for them mm-hmm. or uh, at least help them create a receptivity that they're ready to move. And uh, and then sometimes the people that show up just make them laugh. Really? Mm. Well, sometimes it's just so odd. Um, like when you were in high school, did anybody in your high school die? Uh, yeah, there was one girl who died in a car accident. That, I think it's about everybody's got a story like that. Well, a couple of times I've had people that they were greeted by that girl or that guy that they really didn't even know, but they remember being at the assembly in the gym where they did the thing and they planted the tree. You know, I've had a couple of people who you know, were greeted like that, and then some have had celebrities greet them because that's what they asked for. Wow. Um, you know, you know how we there might, there's people that you haven't met but you admire them. Mm-hmm. They don't know you, but you know them at least because they're a public figure, and mm-hmm. sometimes they have virtues that you think are really admirable. And so sometimes when it's time for people to cross over, what they ask for is Abraham Lincoln or one, one of the people in my book asked for Einstein and he showed up and really? it was just the coolest thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, have a good friend of mine who, um, her husband passed away and we were, we were good friends for many years, my husband and, and I, and, and this couple. And, um, when he died, they, by then they were uh, no longer together. They divorced, but they'd been married a long, long time, 20 years, whatever. And, um, when he died, he, uh, I kept having experiences where he would, um, well, I had the same thing as far as all the, the darn, you know, uh, smoke detectors and all kinds of electronic stuff always would happen. Yes. Then it kind of calmed down, but then for many years, and it's been probably, it was probably within a year of my dad's death that, uh, his name was Mike, but Mike died and, um, he would, what would happen was be, I, anytime I was with, not every time, but sometimes when I was with, you know, my friend, his, his ex-wife, you know, I would have, he'd pop in my head and a thought would occur to me, like, like a message. And so it's not that I heard his voice. I never heard his voice. Nothing like that. Nothing so dramatic. But um, things would happen. Like um, the last time this happened, and it's been different things over the years. She's, she's finally, after many years, in a new relationship and happy. And so um, I was in, I had, she had called me, was upset about something, totally unrelated. I came by her house. It was late at night and stayed for a while. Then I went to leave. And when I pulled out of my, out of her driveway, the, the radio was on, which it's on all the time. And so the, it was on, I'm backing out of her driveway and all of a sudden the radio cuts off, totally cuts off. 
which of course then, you know, gets my attention. I looked down and I had a DVD in my, I have a DVD player because I have an SUV and I had had my niece and nephew in my car recently. And so I had this Shirley Temple DVD in my car and this Shirley Temple DVD then ejects itself out of my DVD player. I mean, I didn't touch the thing. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it never happened before. It never happened since. And I looked down and I pulled the, the DVD out of the player and I tossed it in the seat next to me and I said, hi, Mike. And I knew right away what the message was. He was sending me a message and I called her right away as I'm driving home. I call her and I said, look, Mike is really happy about your new relationship. He, he's, he knows you're happy and it's been a lot of years. It had been, you know, at least 10 years or so. So he was, he's watching out over her. He, he clearly loved her, you know, so much and was always connected to her. Is someone like that, is that someone you would say is stuck or like overseeing? And or no, would it, you it say- doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound stuck at all. People that are stuck, you, you probably know some people living on this earth that are stuck, don't you? <laughs> yeah, more than yeah. a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who just won't budge, or you know, or resentful, or something, or a lot of addiction. You know, a lot of addiction has that stuck quality about it. Mm-hmm. No, this fat guy doesn't sound stuck at all. He sounds like he's In moving heaven, about and watching over her and his and family. One of the, yeah, one of the things I've learned is in, in, in my book, one of the people uh, was a, a mother who left young children. She died in a, a plane crash. And she was just so stuck because she felt like she had just ruined her kids' lives and ruined her husband's life and all that. And I just had to help her calm down and say, well, first of all, you don't know that to be true. You know, it's, it's, it's a, you wouldn't have wished this. You, and, uh, however, there have been plenty of people in history who, whose, whose mothers died young who did not have terrible lives. <laughs> people can be resilient. Your kids might just do fine. And... She, and I said, if you, if you want to, I'm sure there's a way that you can continue to be involved in their lives to some degree, like your friend Mike. Mm-hmm. She said, well, how would I do that? And I said, sweetheart, you're on the right track. You're asking the right question of the wrong person. I, what I need to do is help you get crossed over and then ask that question. And, and then you'll be able to learn about uh, the do's and don'ts, the propriety. You know, you don't want to be a peeping Tom or a gloomy specter ghost or whatever there's going to have to be some sort of parameters but you can learn all that stuff and and i think she did wow that's uh it, it's so interesting that um so you're so tell me more about what your thoughts are as far as when someone is has crossed over they're they're not stuck they're in heaven and they're watching out uh for their loved ones is is there any advice you would give as far as um you know communicating, knowing that they're there, looking for signs, what would you, uh, that are comforting to the ones left behind? Yeah, the simplest thing is um, I I recommend that people don't go chase after signs, you know, or, you know, when you get into these stories, people will kind of play topper. Oh, that, Mm -hmm. well, that's interesting, but I can top that, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, And when I tell my stories in public, people bring me stories uh, of their of their own experiences but rather than try to collect um spooky stories just trust that that when you communicate from your heart to the people you love that have passed they hear you that's all they just Mm -hmm. hear you that's the way it works once in a great while they're indisposed 
<laughs> they're, they're, they're otherwise occupied, but the message gets to them in a roundabout way if you need for them to know or hear something. But most of the time, uh, they can they, they hear what's going on, and especially when families are gathered, you know, weddings, funerals, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whenever they're, whenever love is abounding and, and there's the circle is all gathered, uh, loved ones very often find a way to be around that. Have you experienced that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that um, it, 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 well, for me, I look at it like if I'm somewhere and my dad pops in my head out of the blue, like say I'm, I'm golfing, which I've only done a few, handful of times, and all of a sudden he pops in my head, I know he's there. You know what I'm saying? That's my sign from yes. him that he's there. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mean anything. He's not He's not sending me a message. He's not. I can remember being on a cruise in Alaska about a year or two after my dad died. And I was with my mother and uh, one of my sisters. And I can vividly remember sitting there on the cruise ship, eating a meal, whatever, looking out at the, you know, at the um, water. And my dad popping in my head. I was very conscious of the fact that my dad could see me, that he was looking after, you know, my mom. He could see my mom. He could see me. He could see my sister. That type of thing. I, for me, that's kind of how I always see it. Sure, and that would have been a scene. Were he still alive on this earth, he would have been with you. Well, not necessarily. My parents were divorced. Oh, okay. They were All divorced. Right. He'd been, they'd been divorced for 25 years. I oh, look okay. at it like when he's... When he pops in my head, what un, when I'm not thinking about him or nothing's prompting me to think about, I'm just going about my business, living my life. If out yeah. of the blue he pops in my head, then that's the sign for me that I have from him that, that he's there. He's, he's looking out after me, after our family, you know, including, including my mom. They're divorced. They were divorced, but, um, you know, uh, her as well. Yeah. Well, you can always give a blessing or say I love you. Uh, I like to I like to offer a blessing because I think of it as a as a way that we send love, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so that's what I do when when I when when that I have that similar experience of of someone popping into my head. My dad does that too. Uh, my mom a little bit less. She she was always more shy. <laughs> she's she she's not she doesn't assert herself quite as much as he does. But yeah, whenever that happens to me, I say, "Hey, it's good to have you around. God yeah. bless you." Yeah, absolutely. Well, it makes me feel good. I don't feel weird at all. I don't feel. Um, I, I I feel comforted. I I I feel connected. Um, you know, I I do have to ask you though. I've got a um, a client of mine that she was telling me she lost a loved one. Her like fiance, I believe he was. Um, suddenly, it was like a really horrific car accident. Mm-hmm. Then she remarried, uh, and, and she was young, uh, yeah. like 20 years old or so, very young. And um, then she was remarried, and, and she told me that that she was uh, – her fiancé that had passed, he had this one song that he used to sing all the time. And so that was what he was known for. He liked to do karaoke, get up and sing the song, whatever. And so um, – Anyway, she was then remarried, whatever, or not remarried, but then got married, had some new love in her life, and she said she was in a grocery store one time with him, and you know how the grocery store plays music and whatever? Yeah, And that song came on, and her husband started singing that song to her, and like, almost like, gosh, it makes me want to cry even thinking about it, like dancing with her. Uh What? 
I mean, it was like she, the way she described it. Gosh, it makes me choked up because the way she describes it, he like twirled her around and he was not somebody who sang. This wasn't somebody who that wasn't his character. And she felt that was her fiance who had died. It sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> like through her. He like he was. Yeah. But and that's kind of spooky because you kind of not through her, but through actually through her husband. Like you were saying how the woman, you could see the life through her eyes. It yes, was as if uh-huh. she was looking at her fiancé that she lost. Yeah, and, and it's... Uh, For that moment. In, the, in Catholic lingo, we talk about uh, fruits of the Spirit, that it takes a while for fruits to ripen. And so you have experiences, and then you have to wait for them to kind of ripen. You know, you, you can't always discern just in the moment what's going on. Sometimes you have to wait a little while. But this one, how long ago did that happen? The story you just told. Um, I think it was. I think she told me it was like five years ago, or or six All right, years, well, somewhere around there, six Peter, years ago, we're maybe. Talking about it, right? And it's just it sounds lovely and sweet and wholesome, and and it sounds unitive. You know, love is supposed to unite, and and they weren't even married, right? They were right. They were engaged. They were, they were engaged. Um, but it just sounds like that just sounds like a man who is living uh, and loving freely and still happy for the person he loved and uh, and and has a kind of playful sense about him, too. It sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said it's the way she described him. So would you say he was in heaven? He, he yeah. was watching out for her. Is that what you it sounds? It, it sounds like it. Interesting. Because yeah. I, yeah. I it, she uh she she was she was Catholic. I think she still considers herself Catholic, but she she did have a. Unfortunately, she she asked a, a Catholic priest at her parish, um, you know, at the time if if uh, her fiance was in heaven, and he didn't quite give her the answer that um, you know that she would have liked, and because he was not Catholic, and um, it, it really turned her off, which I find so unfortunate, so uh, a missed opportunity on that particular priest's part. To um, at least that's how I see it. Uh, to to counsel and to you know to guide and comfort. Give her my number. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can undo the damage. I mean, yeah. I mean, know. it's so. And in fact, I have to ask you because I, um, I mean, I know we could talk. In fact, I'd love to have you on another uh, another time because let's do it. You you you. I just have so many questions, but. I, I try to try to keep my podcast to not too long, but I want to ask you really quick and wrapping up, and I, I would encourage everyone to get your book. Uh, look for Father Nathan Castle. In fact, where would where would they find you? How can they? Right now, it's only on Amazon. It's it's a uh, hybrid published. My sister is my publisher. We're we're Very shopping cool. for a literary agent and trying to go big, you know, with one of the major publishing houses. Very but right nice. now, it's available on Amazon. Uh, it's called After Life Interrupted. Helping Stuck Souls Crossover. And there's another part of it. It's called a banner. Are you familiar with a banner? Mm-hmm. The banner of the book is a Catholic priest explores the interrupted death experience. Hmm. Okay. But, but you can find it really easily on Amazon. Um, Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Crossover. Yeah, I, and I then, just got it and, I, and I've been just glancing at it. So I haven't read it yet. But so is it full of all like lots of stories? Yeah, there the, there's a few early. You'll you'll recognize the story of Ray that I told earlier, uh, and then 
I tell a few childhood stories that kind of dispose people to understand that this sort of was going on earlier in my life, although it kind of blossomed later into this other thing. Um, and then I share 13 individual stories. Uh, um, two of them involve groups. It's not always one at a time. Sometimes people uh, died similarly. There's a, there one story about people that died in collisions between cars and trains. Mm-hmm. And they, they went as a, they crossed over as a group. And once in a while, I'm called upon to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, and then my website is, is my name, Nathan-Castle.com. So it's N-A-T-H-A-N-C-A-S-T-L-E.com. So Nathan-Castle.com. Is there, so people can go there as well as on Amazon, look you up, and, and you've got, I know you've got two books. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to have you on another time, but I in, in kind of wrapping up, I do want to ask you, because I am... Um, I am a practicing Catholic. I'm a proud Catholic, and um, and I and in fact, I just have to say, sometimes it really annoys me when people say they're a recovering Catholic. Nothing is more offensive than that. Just FYI, anybody's listening, don't ever say that. If if you had a negative experience in the Catholic Church or any other, just know that there are a lot of people that that's really offensive. Uh, so I'm just I'm putting that out there as a public service announcement. How's that? But <laughs> <laughs> but I got to ask you. What would you say, quickly, kind of, um, for those with with the sex scandal with the Catholic Church, which is all over the news, as you know, it's you know it's big news and it's so unfortunate. And trust me, I I, I went to Catholic school K through well first grade through twelfth grade, and I I had uh, Father uh, Thomas Schaefer who was convicted of. Uh, uh, sexually molesting boys in my class uh, in, at St. John's in Clinton, Maryland. So I, I know this story too well um, and uh, from personal friends. And so that's, it's, uh, gosh, it's terrible. Uh, it didn't turn me away from my faith. I mean, I, my, I have a very wise mother who told me that the church, the Catholic church survives in spite of the clergy um, and not because of it, and no, no offense to any clergy like yourself, but we are the church. You, me, and all of us, um, you know, all of us sitting in the pews make up the Catholic Church, not, not the Pope and every priest that may, may not be perfect like the rest of us sitting in the pews. So I feel so strongly about that, and I, I hope anybody that, you know, has ever really thought about that can take some, I don't know, if they, I, hopefully they can agree with me on that, that we are the church. And so bad things do happen, but we've got to band together and clean out, clean house. And, you know, so that's my take on it, but I'm not a priest. So I'd love to hear what you, what comforting uh, advice you might be able to offer for someone who's saying, well, why should I go to the church? Why should I give to the church? Why should I participate when the church, you know, uh, is, is not doing enough? Well, first of all, if there are any of your listeners who were uh, victimized in that way, and if I could be of any help to them, um, they can reach me through my website. Um, the, the the larger question of like membership and why, like I get asked, why do you stay a priest? Well, you know, how, why are you still Catholic and so on? Well, I, I guess I learned early on that when you belong to something, when you belong to a group, um, that means uh, you know, like your own family or your extended family, you don't necessarily approve of everything that everybody does but you still belong to them anyway. Or like being a citizen. You know, I don't approve of everything my my country does, but that doesn't mean I stop being a member of it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you just you just live your life and, and love as best you can 
try to make things better wherever you can. Isn't that what you do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't. Well, if you, if your if your goal is perfection or your expectation is perfection, well, then you're going to be sorely disappointed because yeah, life is not decision. perfect. No, you can, if you think of a parade, if you're going to just insist that I'm not getting in that parade until everybody in it behaves the way I think they ought, well, uh, then you just are on the sidewalk. And I made that decision a long time ago that I'm not going to be on the sidewalk. I'm going to be in the parade. And, and, I, and I can try at least to leave. But my parents were real big on leaving things better than you found it. And if I can help the Catholic Church be a little better than I found it, what else can be expected of me? <laughs> well, hey, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I think that's a, a, a great way to look at it. And people, anybody who say, oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites in church, well, the church is for sinners. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I, I always say it's not as full as you think. Well, I'll scoot over. We'll make room for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, I uh, really am so uh, happy to have such a great conversation with you, uh, Father Nathan. Are you calling, okay. your, calling your sister, your publisher in? Uh, your... Yeah, that's what I'm doing there. Uh, they just moved here last night, and I'm after <laughs> this call, I'm, I'm uh, in my... I'm, I'm I'm on Skype, so I'm like I professional from the waist up. <laughs> <laughs> there you I'm, go. <laughs> I got my jeans on, and I'm about to uh, put on a grubby shirt and haul furniture all day. Oh, okay. Well, have fun, and uh, let's talk again in the future. All right. It's great talking to you. All right. Thanks so you. much. Okay. God bless this you. wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show. <laughs> Thank you.